0: Hello everybody, thank you for joining us on Good Vibe Hive. On this week's edition of Really Cool People, we'd like to introduce you to Blake Gillette.
1: Blake Gillette is an orthopedic surgeon in Utah County. Not only does Blake improve the quality of people's lives, he also writes music inspired by his faith in Jesus Christ, including I Will Be What I Believe, and is currently working on other uplifting music.
0: We are super excited to share his story with you and hope you can be inspired by his remarkable talents like we have here in the Hive. Hey Blake, thanks for joining us today. How are you?
2: I'm good. Good to see you guys.
0: Yeah, we're excited for this.
1: Yeah, super excited to actually meet you. Yeah. We are really, really grateful for Blake right now um, for a couple reasons. First of all, if it wasn't for Blake, our aunt would not have a new knee. So <laughs> thanks for that, first of all. And second of all, thank you for joining our podcast.
2: I just started this last week, actually, so she's doing great. Good, that's great.
0: Good. She was really in a lot of pain in the first couple days when I said, that's normal. I actually work at a physical therapy place, so uh, yeah, yeah. I see a lot of new yeah. needs.
2: <laughs> yeah, you see a lot of people with lots of different things.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. If you want to just kind of start off by telling us a little bit about what you do and how you kind of got into that, kind of introduce yourself a little bit.
2: So uh, I always knew I wanted to be a doctor growing up. My mom worked for a doctor, a uh, urologist, and I kind of like helped around the office and I don't know. I just was always really intrigued by medicine. <clears throat> I also looked up to a lot of doctors. I had like, you know, allergies and was seeing doctors as a kid a lot. And I just always felt really comfortable around doctors. And I just, I just aspired to, to be that person that can calm you down when you have a serious problem or, or something that's scary. Right. And so from that, um, I just continued on and, um, I've ne- never deviated 100% all the way, you know, from when I was a young kid. But I realized that I actually really liked anatomy. So um, thanks to my wife, she got me into anatomy class, which I wasn't even going to take. She begged me to take it with her. And then I did, and I fell in love with anatomy. Uh, and so medicine then took a turn towards orthopedics because I loved anatomy. I loved sports. I loved um, seeing people get better quickly and fixing things. I liked fixing things. I think I can. I attribute that to my dad and, and also my grandpa who was a truly a carpenter uh, and so orthopedics for me the first time I saw a knee scope when I was shadowing uh, Dr. Pepper Murray in Bountiful I saw him do a knee scope and a shoulder scope and I thought that is exactly what I want to do. So anyway so from there I worked at the University of Utah and uh, in the orthopedic uh, department there because uh, we were both going to the University of Utah at that time and then went to Ohio State for medical school, went to Mayo Clinic for residency uh, for five years and then a fellowship in sports medicine out in LA uh, at the Southern California Orthopedic Institute for a year. And then we circled all the way back to Utah uh, after all that. And so here I've been here five years uh, with Canyon View Medical Group in Spanish Fork. So
1: that's very cool. I think it's funny to talk to people like yourself who are going into that industry because I am going into accounting and business, and all my life I've said never doctor. Like, that's the one thing I don't <laughs> want to do. So it's it's good that there's people in the world that have different um, interests. And, you know, I, I wouldn't survive without people like you, so I thank you. <laughs> I've been to the doctor multiple times, uh, the ER, um, and I am I have a lot of bad knees in my family, so I'm certain someday I might come to you. Yeah, we'll we'll plan on seeing you in twenty, thirty years or whatever. Well,
0: yeah, let's do, do as long <laughs> as we can. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, you'll be you'll be fine. I'm sure for a long time. I'll make sure <laughs> we wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh your your time in the operating room and we're wondering just first of all, has there ever been like a crazy experience that you've had? Like what would you say the the craziest experience you've had in the operating room would be? Uh
2: the craziest, um couple of crazy things at, at Mayo Clinic. Um, the one that stands out the most though, um, is there's a young man, he was about high school age, so maybe 17. And he had a really, uh, rare form of a disease, uh, called klippel trenaunay weber syndrome, which basically you, you might recognize people who have port wine stains on their face or something. That's like the mild version of that disease. And Mayo Clinic, uh, in Rochester happens to be like this epicenter, uh, based on one man's research. And so we would get these crazy, uh, cases over there and I'll never forget it was July 4th. I mean, you can never forget if it was on independence day, uh, this young man. So when he would stand up, uh, his right leg was so, uh, had so many vascular malformations that his, his right leg would pool with blood and he would faint. So he literally could never stand up. Um, and so he came to Mayo Clinic and we did a above knee amputation to try to get rid of all these, um, uh, venules and pools, lakes of, of blood vessels. Well, that happened before, but then, um, you have to realize all of his blood vessels are really friable. Like they, they are not normal tissue. And so he started bleeding, bleeding like crazy through his amputation, his thigh. So July 4th, we're on call. Dr. Rose uh, is covering for Dr. McIntosh who did the original surgery and we go in to surgery and this thing is just bleeding. And this is a 17 year old kid. He's got his whole life ahead of him. And to the credit of, of the Mayo Clinic, um, the the professionalism, the, uh, the collaborative nature of it, um, they pumped in, basically they emptied their blood bank while we tried to sew up all these little things that were just not not holding at all suture after suture compressed it and uh they saved his life that night um more more dr rose and the anesthesiologists who were getting i mean the effort that night was incredible anyway and then it's kind of the good side or, or of this whole story is that in in the end he um he's got he sent us a picture with him going to prom uh one day and and he didn't you know he had above knee amputation but he can now stand up and he could walk around. And um, it was really a heartwarming story to see that uh, after that crazy night in the middle of the night. So
1: no, that's crazy. What goes through your mind in that kind of a situation?
2: Uh, Pray, (laughs) (laughs) pray and, and, uh, and just try to be as helpful, you know, it's a whole team in there, right? So you got the surgical team, you have the anesthesia, anesthesia team, and Try to just, uh, you know, it's just like anything, being in a battle or you're just trying to find your way that you can help um, your own little way. So it's, it's scary. It's scary stuff sometimes. Yeah,
0: but I mean, not every person has the kind of job where you save somebody's life. Um, a lot of people just kind of go in and they're like, oh, i got to work eight hours today, get this stuff done, whatever. How do you feel when you sit down and you think about your job?
2: you know, it, yeah, when you're at a tertiary center, like Mayo Clinic, you're seeing all the like crazy, crazy stuff, right? But so now it's, it's definitely a little more routine. It's, I'm not dealing with scary stuff like that. Only occasionally when, um, you know, we're doing a big hip surgery or a big shoulder surgery where you are closer to bigger blood vessels and could have bleeding, but no, really right now it's, it's definitely more routine, but, um, I still, you still, it's still uh, the same feeling, right? It's still like, I'm going to help this person. Now they're going to walk better or, or even, you know, like an athlete, we're going to get them back to football. And and that is now, it's the same feeling of we helped this person, which is a great feeling, just in a little bit different way, you know, um, but, but, you know, people with like even shoulder pain or rotator cuff tears, which I do a lot of, you know, they can't sleep at night and they can't raise their arm and reach the shelf. And so to see someone come back and and they go look at me, and they raise their arms straight up, and you know that's that's the reward um, at this point. But yeah, not as dangerous, thankfully. Because yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome.
1: You would have done how much schooling did you do? How many years would you say?
2: So, you know, four years undergraduate. I did two at BYU and two at Utah. So I'm. I'm <laughs> you believe my wife, is a my wife is a Ute, 100. So, um, oh, but funny. no, and then four years at Ohio State uh, for medical school. And then five years at uh, Mayo Clinic and residency in Rochester. Uh, I did get to go down to Florida. There's another Mayo Clinic in Florida. So we spent six months down there in the middle of that, which was a nice relief from the Minnesota winter.
1: Mm -hmm. We timed
2: it just right. And then uh, another year at uh, uh, SCOE out in California. So after undergraduate, it was 10 more years.
1: Right. That's Holy cow. Crazy. So you're talking 13, 14 years. You
2: are getting paid after medical school. Just right. not very much. So it's see so you are you do have a real job in in a sense after mm-hmm. medical school. So right. for six years.
1: What makes it worth it considering that you put down that much time and effort into school?
2: Well, again, uh, you know, beyond just like you're helping people, I I feel like it's amazing to have put that much you know, time and effort to building the fundamentals of knowledge that help me to really understand a person's problem. Because, again, and we see this all over the world, and especially with Google, and especially with Twitter, and all these things like weird information, weird stuff is just promulgated throughout our our inter- internet and um, knowledge sphere. And so, a lot of the time I spend is educating people. I mean, I'll remember, i never forget one of my professors. In fact, it was my anatomy professor. Um, he he sees something very profound to me. He said, remember the word doctor is from the Latin word docere, which means to teach. So what, what again, I, I love about the job and what I do is I'm teaching people, you know, I'm using that knowledge base I've gained over the last 10 years in medicine to teach them the right way to think about their body how to get it better, how to get it healthier, um, and not not spend time on things that uh, are either uncertain if they help or not, but getting to the heart of the problem and using that knowledge to fix the problem. And so, because there's just a lot of weird things that are going on out there, uh, treatments and whatnot, um, some help and some don't, and some are actually detrimental. So, So again, using that knowledge base, the scientific foundation to, again, take away uncertainty in people's lives. Because I will tell you, even if I can't fix a person's problem, um, I have this exact situation come in just uh, on Monday. Um, Three or four doctors, and I can't help you, can't help you, can't help you. Don't really want to take the time to find out what her problem is. It's a very complicated problem. Um, And I, I told her, I said, I don't know if I can actually help you, but I'm going to take the time to understand your problem. And by you understanding your problem, even if you can't like fix it, that taking away that uncertainty, so you know what it is, is half the battle um, emotionally, psychologically, and then you can deal with it better. So, so that's a whole nother facet to teaching people, um, at least, you know, giving them the summary or the, the cliff notes of of what I've learned over ten years, so to help them in their lives. So,
1: how much of healing would you say is psychological?
2: <laughs> well, uh, placebo effect can. Uh, work 30% of the time, so, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so doing nothing except saying you're going to get better uh, can make 30% of the people better, so maybe it's about 30%. That's crazy. Um, um, again, it, it's the combination of anatomy, which I love, and uh, sports medicine, um, and function, and then surgery. Uh, again, I just, I've always liked using my hands, you know, I, I grew up playing the piano and, and building things, you know, with my dad. And, um, uh, I just, I just like to use my hands, you know, and, and, and do stuff. I, I like being a doer. Um, and so I always feel like I'm doing something, you know, in surgery, you're always doing something. And, and, uh, and, and then, you know, seeing the anatomy, again, just being fascinated with anatomy. Um, and so that combination, and then, and then the technology and using instruments to minimally invasively move around a knee or minimally invasively move around a shoulder. Uh, and again, to my, ment- to my mentor's credit, uh, Dr. Snyder, who helped develop shoulder arthroscopy. Um, I mean, how they figured it out is, is amazing. So now we benefit from all their techniques and technical pearls that they've learned over the years. Um, but yeah, at the end of the case being like, holy cow, how did we do that? You know, like through three little, three little poke holes. Um, yeah, it's, it's a good feeling. It's like, wow, we, we helped someone in a very minimally invasive way and now they're going to get better. So yeah, it's all that combination stuff.
0: Yeah, no, you definitely change people's lives for sure, which is amazing.
1: It's incredible to think just how far, even in the last couple hundred years, Uh, the, the, not only, um, healing, but just even surgery in a particular, um, fashion is, has progressed. It's crazy what they've done. Even the
2: last, again, like 20 years, just in orthopedic surgery. Um, I mean, they still do total, they were doing total knees back then. Um, but wow, we're so much better at it now. We use a robot, you know, to, to make the cuts. Um, Yeah. Arthroscopic surgery. You know, I had a guy I did yesterday and, uh, he had, he told me a funny story. He said the doctor that fixed him 20 years ago came out of the surgery to his dad and said, well, I don't think I fixed him. Um, and then his dad never told him that the doctor said that. And so for 20 years, he had this unstable shoulder. And then, so I had to retighten everything up. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh. Like this week. And it was like, you know what? And I always joke. It's like, you know, I think we're we're a little bit better than we were back then. I think we've learned a lot <laughs> um since since then. So
1: that's crazy. I can't even imagine. I would be so mad.
2: <laughs> yeah, and he just thought, well, this is how it is. You know, it Twenty years. 20 years. Yeah.
0: Um, kind of making a transition. Not only are you a surgeon, but you write music and Somehow, during your busy life of 10 years of school and becoming a surgeon in residency and all of that, you've picked up the hobby of creating music, Um, and you wrote the song, I Will Be What I Believe. Um, How did you find time for that? And not only did you write a song that was like, good, I mean it got 3 million views. Like, how did you find time to put in that kind of effort?
2: Well, so here's the connection between medicine and music. And I, I attribute this completely to my mom, right? So she would always say that Dr. Henderson, who was her urologist she worked for, uh, played the piano, and that made him a better surgeon. And so that was her <laughs> little like guilt trip or or whatever. She would say that all the time, like he, you know, he he played the piano. So he and he made him a good surgeon. So that's the connection. So I have to attribute all of my piano uh, skills to my mom, who, again, I was the last of six. You have to realize she felt like she had failed with piano lessons for every other child to that point. And not, not only was I the last of six, I was eight years from the closest sibling. So I was like an only child growing up. And so she had a little more time, a little more focus. And so I did Suzuki method, but, um, uh, and so, but she was truly the impetus. I mean, I cannot thank her enough for pushing I mean, any parent who's tried to get their kid to play the piano knows the fights and the battles. And, and there was certainly battles. I mean, to this day, if she claps at me like a certain way, I just, I feel like that, that trauma, you know, to get to play the piano, but boy, am I grateful, right? Um, so anyway, so I got a good foundation uh, early on from Suzuki method, uh, learning to listen to music um, and then, you know, took piano off and on after that. But um, my whole family, you know, even my mom, she, you know, wrote musicals for the road shows back in the day, you know, that the church would do back in the day. And, and so just have, have a musical family. Um, and so I had written stuff in high school, just kind of with some buddies and some church music type stuff, but yeah, then, you know, life got busy. I, I kind of, I worked into playing the organ. I, I end up playing the organ with every ward and church we went to, um, throughout our training Um, but then I, I got into, so a good calling for a really tired resident is, uh, the piano, you know, primary pianist. That's, that's a super easy calling. I can show up. And so there, my wife's the primary music chorister I'm the, on the, cause I don't have to practice. Like I just, I can play the songs. I can show up, you know, and, and be still be tired. She was kind of joking. Like you know, snap at me if I was dozing off back on the piano as a tired <laughs> resident. Um, but um, yeah, so I you know I just always tinkered around, and that was the moment um, where she told me that hey, you should try to write a primary song when we were together in in Rochester. Um, and so you know you find time to do it. I I would do it at night. I had a a little uh, we have still have it an electric piano. At least it had weighted keys. It wasn't like you know total like you know, just Panasonic cheapo thing. It was actually a good piano, it had wave keys. And we carried that around with us from Ohio to Minnesota. Um, but yeah, I just, at night after uh, everyone's asleep, go downstairs and and start tinkering away on on the songs.
1: My little sisters, they love that song and they'll, they'll play that video. Did you have anything to do with the video?
2: We used uh, Nick Sales. So Nick Sales, um, I can't remember how we got connected, but through the One Voice Children's Choir, um, I got connected with them somehow. They're they're the singers on the the song, which they're just amazing, amazing singers. Um, and and they use Nick for a lot of their one voice children's choir videos. And and so I don't know. I got connected with Nick, and no Nick, he's he was the mastermind behind the video. We it was kind of funny. We had a different idea for the video. I mean, I guess you know you know the area, of Mapleton. Um, the south side has these kind of rolling hills. And we envisioned the kids walking through the fields and whatnot, but then um, they're like, hey, maybe we shouldn't walk through those fields. There's like snakes and, you know, dangerous snakes and stuff. So, so but they didn't finish that little area called the preserve on the south end of Mapleton. And so they had this road with trees and no houses. And so it ended up being like the perfect setting, um, just very serendipitously uh, stumbled across. We didn't even plan to use it, but it was right next to the field we were gonna use. Uh, and it just, it was a beautiful, beautiful uh, masterpiece that Nick filmed that morning. And you know, the sun was coming up perfect. It's one of those things where it just, it was meant to be heard, I think. And so many pieces came together that I, I can't even, again, I think back and I think that was like a miracle. Like, I don't even know how it came together that well. You know, it's just weird.
1: With that song, um, I mean, it sounds like it was kind of spontaneous. It sounds like there was just some little ideas along the way and you just, you built it. Um, how can people go listen to it if they haven't, they need to.
2: Um, yeah, I mean, you can go, go to the YouTube, uh, and, and look at it, the video there. I will be it. I believe, um, it, uh, I still, uh, am under Cedar Fort publishing. So you can go to cedarfort.com and, uh, buy, you know, the C, the CD and, um, the, you know, the primary songbook that goes with the whole thing. We did 13 songs. Um, And then it it is on Apple Music still. So you can, um, I think it's on Spotify and Apple Music still. So it should be there.
0: What skill sets do you believe that you have um, that allows you to be successful in both the medical and the music fields?
2: Um, It's kind of two different sides of the brain. um, Yeah, totally. Um, I guess, and again, I, yeah, I don't know, you know, there's one theory, this is, I guess, scientific, that um, people who play the piano or a musical instrument, um, their corpus callosum, which is the part of the brain that c- connects the two sides, gets better developed. So again, you know, to my mom's credit, I think she she's forcing me to do music at a young age, um, help those interconnections uh, work. Um, but um, I, uh, I don't know. They're kind of different. One's very create. One's creative, and and one is uh, scientific. I will tell you, I I've used <clears throat> a little bit of science in figuring out how what chord progressions I like. And so as I write more music and things, I am using almost a scientific, a little bit knowledge based approach, sprinkled in with some creativity, to create new new music as I try to find the right chords that evoke the emotion that I want so
1: so what's next do you have anything in the lab that you're working on
2: yeah actually i'm i'm releasing a uh another music video tomorrow for the young women um called with all your light i wrote a song with a friend from high school um, Brittany bennett and she was writing a girls camp song or wanted to and she just had one phrase she just had this one phrase with all your light and that like sparked it just kind of hit me and sparked and So we wrote a song together. We filmed a video a couple of weeks ago. And so to coincide with the face-to-face for young women tomorrow night, we're going to release it in the morning. And um, so that, and then the biggest project is I'm trying to write a, and this is going to sound crazy, a book of Mormon musical. Um, So not like not a full scale musical, but like just songs from the book. So songs portraying events throughout the book of my favorite characters and and I'm trying to include more female characters because they get overlooked. Um, you know. Um, so there's a song about with Abish and Lamoni's wife. There's a, cool. a song about a young stripling warrior's uh, mother who sings a lullaby. So I, that's the next big project I'm trying so to
1: So you're telling me that the answer to my question is we have a lot of stuff in the lab, not just
2: not just one or <laughs> a two. A lot of stuff in the lab, yes. Uh, a lot
0: to look forward <laughs> to. That's awesome. That's we a little love different
2: that. than the other Book of Mormon musical that I know about. <laughs> Well, and that's why, that's why I want to write this one because the other one stinks.
0: <laughs> I love that. Thank you.
2: <laughs> I want to write the real. That's why it's going to be called the real Book of Mormon Music.
1: <laughs> <laughs> love it. We're just amazed that you are both a surgeon and a very successful musician. Um, <laughs> where did that wrap up question where we were just wondering what good vibes you want to leave with us here today in the hive?
2: I would say that um, the goodness in people uh, will always triumph. So even despite darkness and uncertainty and scary stuff, um, I just, I just have complete optimism, faith in the goodness of people. And I just think that that will prevail above all else. And so we stick together and, and do that. I think we'll be just fine. That's
0: great. We need that for sure right now. We need each other.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, thank you so much for being willing to join us and uh, to share That's some better. of your insights and your story. I think that your experiences are um, very unique and they're going to be not only inspiring for the people that listen to this, but they've definitely inspired me and Addy. So again, we just appreciate you taking time out of your busy life uh, to share. And I, I I just want to leave you with saying thank you for sharing the perspective on the doctors being Teachers. I've never heard that before. Um, my grandpa is really, really bad at this. Very bad. He he's had two knee replacements, a shoulder right. replacement, and pretty much everything in his body's fake at this point.
0: <laughs> he's basically half robot. <laughs> yes.
2: Yeah. But,
1: um, we always make fun of him because he is just so bad at listening to the the, the advice that the doctors give him. And I have patients like that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think. That's a very unique perspective, and I just want to thank you for sharing that with me. Because I happen to be somebody that's very arrogant sometimes, and I tend to not listen to the advice that people give me. um I always thought the doctors were just supposed to fix you, not teach you how to fix yourself. <laughs> so, again, thank you for sharing that with me, and thank you for sharing all of your experiences with everybody that we have joining us. So,
2: you bet, yeah. my pleasure.
0: Yeah, we really appreciate your willingness to come and share with us, and thank you for taking care of Lorelei she needed that yep
2: we
1: will we'll keep her keep it going
0: yes (laughs) of course
1: well best of luck to you and we will keep looking for your uh, young woman song and then the book of Mormon musical sometime yeah we're
0: excited for that
1: yep all right all righty have a good (music) one
0: thanks for joining us for this week's edition of really cool people
1: if you're not following us on social media yet You really need to. We're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Go follow us.
0: Subscribe to our podcast to make sure you don't miss out on any adventures from our good vibe hive.
1: We'll see you next Saturday for another edition of Really Cool People.